welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy, and the man you hear blowing his nose behind me is... Corwin Heller. <laughs> I thought I got it in before the, uh, before the whistle, but oh well. <laughs> That's okay, buddy. <laughs> uh, welcome to your statistics and sports podcast, though we have not done statistics in quite a bit because <laughs> uh, it's playoffs, baby. It's tough to be talking about anything else when it's playoffs. Especially uh, since there's so much going on outside of the playoffs, too. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, being quite conservative with it, and we'll <laughs> get to that uh, in its due course. But I figured we would open with the football stuff if that works for you. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so a uh, lot of football stuff. Yeah, let's we'll, we'll we'll start off with the the game scores and whatnot. So the night the divisional round happened last week. Um. I we we did we did mediocre I would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that's yeah. I'll describe it as mediocre. So the Niners beat the Vikings. I think we we both had that one. Yep. I think we were both in this wheelhouse too. Twenty-seven to ten was the final score. I did. I have to go back and listen to what our actual score predictions were, but I, I don't think I think I went way above this, but I don't think. Uh, I think the the gap in points scored sounds about right 17 differential yeah I, I can't say off the top of my head but it compared to other games that we uh predicted uh this is probably the closest to reality or closest to our predictions did you have any major takeaways of this game um i feel like this was more of the 49ers defense just taking over the game rather than you know the 49ers offense winning it or you know the vikings choking it away um granted they didn't play great but it wasn't exactly you know a terrible performance so hats off to the uh, 49ers defense because they did a tremendous job absolutely the, uh, you can tell how these teams are built around uh the not passing game huh. because so any any idea who led this this game in passing and what the yards he led with was? Any inklings? Um, I'd have to assume it's Jimmy Garoppolo by not a whole lot. I mean, I haven't. Uh, it's not Jimmy Garoppolo looked. had get ready one hundred and thirty one yards. That uh, doesn't sound many, too surprising. Yeah. How many do you think her cousins had? Oh man, uh, one forty-two, one hundred and seventy-two. <laughs> Jeez, and that led yeah. the game one hundred and seventy-two yards, and that is over a hundred fewer yards than the next uh, passing leader for any of the other three games. Russell Wilson's two hundred and seventy-seven led the Packers Seahawks game, and that's just bananas. Yeah, man. Defense wins championships and also divisional round playoff games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, plus like, you know, teams play to their strengths and, and neither of these teams passing games is a negative, but neither of them are overwhelming positives. So I couldn't have said it better. That actually is a very concise summary of how both of these teams are built. Yeah. Run heavy uh, teams with a focus on defense and quarterbacks who are there not to fuck shit up yeah and i would say that both the quarterbacks did pretty much what the teams would were looking for going in neither of those 
Like Kirk Cousins obviously didn't carry the Vikings to a, a win like some better QBs would, but 21 for 20, 29, 172 yards, one touchdown, one interception, six, six sacks. Oof. Um, and an 84.3 quarterback rating. Like that's, that's a very Kirk Cousins line. That's probably almost exactly what they would have drawn up, barring obviously an INT and so, so many sacks. But y- yeah. Do you know what the longest rushing play of this game was? Ooh, tell me. Uh, 11 yards by Tevin Coleman. <laughs> oh my God, no way. The longest by Minnesota was six. They had 10 rushes for 21 yards. Are you surprised that the quarterbacks combined for zero rushing yards? Um, Because that just sounds so improbable. Brady had rushing yards. All things considered, you know, it's not crazy that quarterbacks, you know, especially in this scenario, didn't have a lot of rushing yards because it's... They didn't have any. Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. But yeah, I mean, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo had four attempts for zero yards, that's something. Uh, Kirk Cousins didn't even have any attempts. Uh, I think the crazier fact is, you know, you look at the Minnesota Vikings who all season long were pounding the football, pounding the football, pounding the football, ran the ball 10 times for 21 yards. Um, At least Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert had good games running the ball, uh, even though neither of them averaged uh, five yards a carry. But Although Coleman was very yeah. close, but he didn't. Yeah, both both finished with 4.8 yards per attempt, which, again, nothing to scoff at, but we're going to cherry-pick some stats to, uh, you know. Fit the narrative. Comments. You got to fit yeah, the narrative. Exactly. Uh, yeah, this, this... All right, let me ask you this. Did you enjoy watching this game? Uh, I couldn't complain about this game. I definitely prefer watching, you know when it's not my own team watching 51-31 games, but I didn't say it was not entertaining. Yeah, I'd say this was your pretty boilerplate NFL game. Like, uh, uh, if I had to give it a rating, and I guess I'll ask you to do the same, I'd give it like a, like a, like a 6 out of 10. You know, like it was it was yeah. a good game. Maybe, maybe 6.5 because it's a playoff game, but I would think 6 is a very good, you know, floor for this to be at. All right, then let's move on to the next game. Um, let's move to Tennessee, Baltimore, which we did not get right. No, um, we did not. Slightly I predicted more Baltimore to score today. over 40 points, and they got 12. And I predicted Tennessee to get, I don't think I had, I had them maybe at 20. Man, I should have listened back. Um, and they got, they won at 28. And this is just. So not what I thought was going to happen. Um, why don't you give me your reaction first? Do you have the box score up in front of you? I do. Okay. Uh, have you looked at it yet? Not yet. Should I? Do you want? No, don't, don't, don't. Okay. How many times do you think Lamar Jackson threw the ball? Oh, that's a great question. Um, definitely over 30. The real question is here, over 40 or under? I'll say just under. I'll say 39. Okay. How many times do you think Lamar Jackson should have thrown the ball? Oh, like seven times less. Like coming coming into this game, you know, despite, you know, game flow and everything, like what do you think their goal was to have Lamar Jackson throw the ball? 
this is a great series of questioning. Um, my my guess would be their their goal would basically be the Kirk Cousins performance. Their goal, but but with like more running, um, right? Because right, right, that's right. his strength, not like. So he, I would say, like, if he threw the ball somewhere between twenty five and thirty times, um, a few shots downfield here and there, but a lot of just like you know RPOs and whatnot. I think that's what they'd probably be looking for, but that unfortunately is not how this game unfolded. Yeah, uh, so 31. 31, okay. Was the number of completions on 59 attempts. Oh, my God. I was in the middle <laughs> of taking a drink. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Really? He did the ball that much? So just opened up the box score as a refresher, and that shot me in the face like a shotgun. Wow. That is such a large number. For comparison, wow. Ryan Tannehill threw the ball 14 times, and Derek Henry threw it once. Um, just oh my I, god! I, I hate box score scouting, uh, but just for comparison, Ryan Tanhill uh, was seven of fourteen for eighty-eight yards, uh, for a six-point-three average and two touchdowns, giving him a QB rating of one hundred nine point five. Lamar Jackson was thirty-one of fifty-nine for three hundred sixty-five yards for a six-point-two average. One touchdown, two interceptions for a 63.2 rating. Wow. Yeah, they had nine rushing attempts that weren't for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had 79 plays where he was the one producing yards. That is so fucking astronomically high. Um, just some simple math here. If we do uh, 79 divided by uh, 507, that's how many yards. Uh, he accounted for 90% of all of Baltimore's plays. Oh, Jesus. That's so oh, many. Plays. Oh, plays. Jesus. Not even yardage, just plays accounted for. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh no. So that was something that <laughs> this could not have gotten farther away from Baltimore's game plan. It, it that's not even it's like, crazy. Th- like that's a high number for back when like the quarterback was just a running back who sometimes threw. Yeah. Because oh, at yeah. least the quarterback was sharing the 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 uh carries and responsibilities with the halfback and the fullback. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's fucking nuts. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so just to show off the rushing, Lamar Jackson, 20 carries, 143 yards, 7.2 average. Derrick Henry, 30 rushes, 195 yards for 6.5 average. So by all means, both offenses performed well. It's just Baltimore couldn't produce points in the red zone. Yeah, this is, um, this is a tough game. Uh, Box score scouting is a good term for it because, man, Baltimore's receiving core looked bad. Yeah, uh, I have not seen so, and I understand that like the maybe so you know these throws probably weren't some of the prettiest of Lamar Jackson's um, passing repertoire, but at the same time, uh, there was a lot of dropped passes in there, or at least that's what it felt like. Yeah, um, I don't have those numbers in front of me, at least. But um, it was their receiving core has definitely been something that they've been focusing on drafting, you know, 
two tight ends two years ago, drafting two wide receivers this past draft. Um, I don't know the extent to which they're going to focus on this in the future, just because of how much capital they've spent there in the past, uh, you know, the recent years. Um, but I will say until Marquise Brown, you know, finally fills the potential that he has. And I mean, all of these guys are young outside of, you know, Willie Sneed. They're going to grow. They're going to get better. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not perfect by all means. It's definitely their big weakness on offense. Uh, oof. I, uh, this was just such a shocking game. Yeah. Uh, at, at what at what point did you think that did you think wow no the Ravens are going to lose this? Maybe with uh seven eight minutes left in the uh, in the game. I mean, I even tweeted about it. I was pretty confident. Hey, they can. They're still in this. They're still in this until late. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It was uh. It was something. When did uh, when did they go up twenty eight twelve? That was probably or twenty eight six was probably when I was. Yeah, that was like the end of the game. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm reading this thing right, but it's uh, I uh, they only punted one time in the entire game. Uh, let's see, team stats. They were because they they had um they went over four on fourth down conversion so that's four right there they had three scoring drives and two interceptions so that's another nine possessions right there yeah uh Um, sam cock only had (laughs) uh only had one punt the entire game if if you told me that the ravens went out there and lamar jackson accounted for 500 over 500 yards and they only punted one time I would assume it was the blowout we were predicting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would have had, you know, 30 points to this, and I would have said, sounds about right. Whereas I mean, the um, the Titans punted six times for 315 yards. There were four series, four of the 10 or so series that they had where they turned the ball over on downs, which yeah. by all means, the way this Ravens team is built, I love that Harbaugh was willing to put it out all out on the table um, to go for it on fourth down because they didn't have a single fourth down failure all season long. That's what the team was good at. It's the playoffs. That's what you go out and do. Um, it's process over results. And the process, the process throughout this game for Baltimore, outside of you know being behind the entirety of the game and forcing Lamar to throw, was. They made the right decisions. Um, it's just a shame that didn't work out the uh, the way they intended. They had a lot of turnovers, whether it be downs, fumbles, interceptions, and uh, it uh, it derailed a very very successful season. Oh yeah, uh, that. What do you, what do you think's worse, the Ravens going fourteen and two and getting bumped in the divisional round? Or the Patriots going sixteen and zero and getting and losing the World Series to the Wild Card Giants. Um, well, if the Patriots lost the World Series, I would oh, think that's pretty it. pretty impressive. Ah, um, they I know should. what you mean. I no, hope it's they definitely do. the Patriots going sixteen and zero and losing in the World Series. Yeah, in the World <laughs> Series because that's fucking incredible. 
Um, yeah. All right. So where do you where do you rank this one to ten enjoyability of a game to watch? Oh, uh, not, eight and a half, nine. I give the yeah, I give this a nine. This was uh, this was fun. Oh, I wasn't even like especially actively, as someone who hates the Ravens. I was about to say I don't even like dislike the Ravens. Like if they advanced, I wouldn't have been sore about it. But seeing, I don't know how how uh, the all of you, the royal you, uh, watch sports. But if I'm disinterested <laughs> in 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 the matchup, like I just don't care. I'm just it's playoffs. I'm just watching it because it's the playoffs. I'm going underdog. I I love the underdog, uh, and so I to to see the Titans end up actually. It's tough to say that. Like it's so weird to look at a sixteen point differential and say that they like held down the Ravens and buck fucked them into submission, but they mm-hmm. basically did. Yeah, uh, mostly by force of of defense and Derrick Henry. But to to the the concept of them winning the game when it first became actually plausible was so much fun that I was full on rooting for the Titans by the end of this game. I mean, just looking at these total numbers, it's it's incredible that the score is what it is. The yeah. Ravens ran 39 more plays, had 230 more yards in the same number of drives, had more yards per play. <laughs> the passing stats are fucking laughable. 345 to 83. It really just comes down to turnovers. And so sorry, that's just the way it crumbles. Yeah, no, I was done. Go for it. So Pro Football Reference does expected points, and they have an expected point summary for this game. And I will go through it for you. For offense, the total expected points for the Titans, ten point four five. For the Ravens, negative three point one one. Uh for passing. Titans positive 3.94, Ravens negative 4.46. For rushing, Titans 7.5, Ravens positive 2.69. So their passing really fucked them this game. Turnover, uh, yeah, turnovers on offense, uh, zero for the Titans and a negative 14.09 for the Ravens. Uh, their defense, the Titans total defense was a positive 3.11. The Ravens was a negative 10.45 the passing defense for the titans was positive 4.46 for the ravens negative 3.94 for the titans the passing sorry rushing defense negative 2.96 and for the ravens negative 7.5 and turnover differential is just flip-flop so now positive 14.09 for the titans zero for the ravens Um, and special teams doesn't matter so the Ravens ran the ball well, and that was all they had. <laughs> uh, they are, yeah. They're also their their kickoff returns were also decently positive, but that's not saying much. Any final thoughts you have on this game? This was so much fucking fun, and I am <laughs> standing the Titans through the Super Bowl. Um. Yeah, why not? Fuck it. I want to see them win a Super Bowl. That'd be fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Like, I don't even, I don't even dislike the Chiefs that much. But like, yeah. fuck it. This is this was fun. I want to, I want to see Ryan Tannehill win the Super Bowl. A sentence none of us would have believed. <laughs> <laughs> like even even a month ago. That that's how crazy it is. A month ago, 
if you told me Ryan Tannehill was going to win the the Super Bowl, I was about to say World <laughs> Series, the Super Bowl, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Where? What? What? I would. What team is he on? Is 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 it is it Miami? No. Um. <laughs> I mean, listen. The Patriots and the Ravens have been knocked out of the playoffs. I don't give a shit if anyone wins the Super Bowl at this point. Oh, no. Just knowing they didn't. I'm yeah, good. that's enough, honestly, <laughs> to make me love football again. <laughs> Uh, I want to save the Texans Chiefs for the end of this. So let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks against the Green Bay Packers. And just as I predicted, it was a one-score game because Seattle loves one-score games. They love them. And it's so fitting for their season to end. As a result of one, they lost 23-28. to Packers moving on to the championship round. Corwin, what did you think? Once again, the Seahawks played the late game on Sunday, and I was unable to watch it. Um, just seeing the highlights and seeing the headlines, I wish I saw this game. Um, but once again, it comes down to just the balance of Green Bay and the fact that Seattle only has Russell Wilson to really carry them through these playoffs. Um I saw one tweet that was saying, you know, if Seattle had an average QB, they'd be four and 12. And I don't know if it would be that drastic, but God damn, I can't really disagree with that sentiment. Um, Especially when they had so many one possession games where it's like, exactly. honestly, if you swing like three out of four of those the other way. Yeah. Uh, I forget what team it was uh, la- this year or last year. I'm certain it was last year now, um, but they lost like 90% of all their one score games. And if that happened to Seattle, they might have, you know, zero wins. I don't think it would be that drastic, but, you know, you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. Russell Wilson oh, yeah, this, is kind of a god. This was a super fun game. Um, it was also really nice because there was a point, I believe, which the announcers noted that made me appreciate, too. Not an overly officiated game either, which is really nice. A lot of just a lot of just football being played by man. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but it was it was it had a really nice flow to it. It was it was a really uh, all around enjoyable game experience. Um, Russell Wilson tried his hardest. He really did. This loss is so much not on him. Uh, Twenty one completions, thirty one attempts, two hundred seventy seven yards, one touchdown, five sacks, a one hundred and six point five QB rating is phenomenal plus another 64 yards on the ground as the leading rusher for the team. By a lot. Yeah. By almost triple of what Marshawn Lynch did. Although Marshawn <laughs> Lynch, two touchdowns, go fucking figure. Um, it, yeah, I, it's, it's the, the story we gave it going in. Green Bay, for once in their lives, is a well-rounded team. Once in their lives. Once in, in their recent history, is a well-rounded team that doesn't need to lean on Aaron Rodgers. And yet he's still there to make the big plays, which is what I said would happen. It's exactly what happened. And if you leave this episode with nothing, it's that this is something I got right. And that's what's that's what matters the most. <laughs> that's what's important here. Aaron Rodgers, like he didn't have to not that like the rushing game around him was like stupendous, but he had great receiver play from Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones was certainly around. Um and when he needed to make a big play, he made a big play. No interceptions, just two sacks, a uh, 113.7 QB rating because he did only what was needed. He had five, 
Five attempts, five rushing attempts for 14 yards, and his longest run was 14 yards. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, defense played well. They managed to contain Russell Wilson even when it looked like they had a glimmer of hope at the end. And yeah, this was a, this was just a fun, solid game all around. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I'm upset I did not get to uh, get to watch it, but you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> this probably would have been like number three for me as far as you know games looking back i wanted to see so this was the one i missed i can't complain too much because i got to watch the two fucking great ones um it's sad to see russell wilson miss out on another super bowl just because you know he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league and you want to see him perform in the nfc championship in the super bowl but the fact that he lost to aaron Rodgers, who's one of maybe two quarterbacks in the league better than him two or three not a problem there oh no no not a problem at all yeah all right let's talk about this mess <laughs> the houston texans lost to the kansas city chiefs 31 to 51 in arrowhead stadium what a fucking game what a bananas game this was uh oh real quick uh just to loop back to seahawks scream oh you didn't watch it i'll give that game an eight out of ten uh i'll give that a question mark out of ten yeah because you can see so what what's your what's your initial takeaways from this chiefs game um my dad left the room when it was 24 nothing to go take the dog for a walk for an hour and a half and he came back when it was uh halftime 28 24 and he almost shit his pants because he was stunned. And I don't blame him. What a fucking game. This was... Uh, I, I know you've never played like uh, NCAA football, but when you finish a really good game, it'll give you a little pop-up that's like, this is an all-time great. It gives you a score. This is an all-time great playoff game. Oh, my God. I... I don't even know what else to say about it. It was so fucking good. This game. I have not this, this game, this, <laughs> this game was football. Oh yeah. This game well, was everything you could possibly want to see in a football. Like, like when you go to a, to a Yankees game, you want to see Aaron judge hit a home run. You mm-hmm. want You want to see, uh, you want to hear the bleacher creatures do their thing. You want to see a double play. Uh, you want to see someone get ejected. Maybe I don't know. You, you want to see wanna, some lights out pitching. Yeah, you want to see a cool strikeout. Um, you 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 want you want to see Brett Gardner do something of 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 his sort. And you know they all happen throughout the year. They don't usually all happen in the same game. All those things usually happen. I don't know what more you could have possibly asked to see out of this game outside of being a Texans fan and and a win. Um, These you saw touchdowns, you saw sacks, you you saw uh, no interceptions. I don't think there were any interceptions. Nope. Um, But you saw a a, a kick returned for a touchdown on special teams. there, outside of interceptions and safeties, I don't know what more you could have possibly wanted to see into this game. Uh, I didn't see anybody bananas. streak across the field. Uh, I didn't see anybody tackle a ref. Those are usually the two big ones that never get seen anyway. So I can't complain. I mean, so, 
you saw a great offensive performance by Deshaun Watson and the offense or and by the Texans in the first quarter. And then you saw shutdown defense and just suffocating offense and special teams by the Chiefs the rest of the game. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson combined for 709 yards. Is this the Big 12? Like, cheese and seven touchdowns. <sighs> and no interceptions, which is just startling. Um, These guys oh. are so good. Patrick Mahomes' quarterback rating at the end of this game, 134.6. Deshaun <laughs> Watson's was 95.7, which is still impressive, but oh my God. Um, Desha- Patrick Mahomes also finished this game as the leading rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Deshaun Watson finished as the second uh, l- leadingest rusher of the uh, Houston Texans. What a game. Oh, my God. What's crazy to me is thinking about how deep the running back pool is in the draft this year. Knowing Kansas City is going to get one in the third round, that's going to turn this offense into just straight-up fucking Madden. It's going to be insane. I mean, no offense to Damian Williams, the other Williams, and uh, Thompson. Uh, They're not exactly great running backs in the NFL. If you get another dynamic guy in the mold of Kareem Hunt, holy shit, this team is going to be unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, it already looks it to a a severe degree. Um, Jesus, it was this was this game was just pure fucking. I I actually missed the whole first quarter Texans run. I hadn't gotten home yet to watch it. And so by the time I get home, I like I didn't even turn I didn't even like rush to turn the TV on because I was like, I mean, yeah, this shit's fucking done. I mean, you know, like twenty four nothing in the first. Fuck bye, Kansas City. <laughs> We're having a Titans Texans championship game for no reason. No one asked for that. And then, uh, and then, boom, I got fucked. And I I'd look at the score. It's twenty eight to twenty four. I was like, excuse me, what the fuck's Bill O'Brien doing? And then I had to turn the game on. And um, what do you think the feeling is towards Bill O'Brien? Oh, he's gone. Even as a Penn State fan who loves Bill O'Brien for what he did for this school, um, Bill, you're done. (laughs) Like, there's no coming back from this. I don't know how there can be. Go hire Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs. Just... Bill, I love you as a guy. I love you as a person. I like you as a college coach. But time has been very unkind to you in the NFL. Yeah, this was... Oh, my God. I mean, honestly, even even if this isn't his fault, and I'm, I'm not going to weigh in too heavily on whether or not it is, although I think when you get your butt just absolutely ripped into shreds the way they did... Some large degree of that's on coaching, mm-hmm. uh, but even if it wasn't, it's time. It's time to change. Yeah, Their window so is still so technically long. open. They have that good quarterback. There's a good offense there. There's there's decent defensive pieces there, and you you need to make a change just to inspire the team. Because yeah. uh, oh no, oh no. <laughs> um. So when uh when the Ravens 
were down 14 nothing to the Titans. I tweeted out, oh, the Ravens are still in this. I still think they can come back. You know, they ain't out of it yet. Um, famously, they were not, uh, in fact, still in that game. When the Chiefs were down 24 nothing, I wanted to make a similar tweet. And I was like, nah, I can't take two L's in one night, even if I'm still confident in the Chiefs. <laughs> and then by the end of the game, I was like, I picked the wrong horse by a lot. Oh, my God. This oh. game was just not so banana bread. It was just wild. I, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, I mean. Is, is this a 10 out of 10 for you? Because it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Maybe maybe, it's, it's, maybe a 9.5. I'm going to give it a 9 only because it was so uncompetitive after the second half. Yeah, okay, fair enough. It was just a railing. Um, there was a small, small glimmer of hope there when the Texans scored to make it, what was it, 31 to 40-something? Something. Um, I have it in front of me. 31-41. But not close. 31-41? Yeah, yeah, 31 41. And I was like, okay, like 10 points out. Like, that's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but then the uh, Chiefs scored like immediately afterwards. And I was like, all right, this is this, that, that's gone. Um, <laughs> that is over. <laughs> thank you, Hawk Harrelson. You're welcome. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah, how looking, many? Looking at the time, it was not even two minutes. Yeah, no, it was like immediately after. Actually, it was a minute 32. I can do math. This was just such an impressive game. Like, like so Deshaun Watson, 388 yards, uh, 232 of which were in the air, which is just beautiful. That's just fun. It means that there was 232 air yards and 150 yards after the catch. That's just so much fun. And then likewise, Patrick Mahomes, 321 yards, 100, 145 of which were air yards and 176 of which were yards after the catch so uh he skews more in favor of the wide receivers giving him a hand but those are still two super fun ways of watching football um to see just deshaun airing the motherfucker out and patrick because i'm on a first main main basis with the entire nfl pat our boy patty just just slinging it to the guys letting them do their patrick pat patty (laughs) rick (laughs) You know, you know, you know, Ricky Mahomes. <laughs> um, oh, well, how does that letter go? That Mac wrote Chase Utley and always sunny <laughs> Chase. Yeah. I think I could call you Chase. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be friends. Um, all right. What, which quarterback of all the starters, this, so it's so funny. Um, every star, every quarterback with advanced passing stats is exactly who you think it is. Plus Derrick Henry. Uh, it's so funny. <laughs> he finishes just so looking so nice. Who do you think had the most bad throws and what number do you think it was? Ooh. Um, I mean, I want to say it's Derrick Henry because a hundred percent of his throws were ugly throws because Marcus Mariota was wide open on that play and he threw into triple coverage. But he get, um, threw a touchdown. But he did happen to throw a touchdown. Outcomes over process. So, um, I don't know. I guess I'd say like maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like it's going to be either him or Kirk Cousins. Uh, neither. Kirk had three. Jimmy had one. Uh, mm. I thought it was going to be Lamar Jackson, and he is a second close or a close second. Ugh. 
Uh, he had eight, just behind Deshaun Watson with nine. I feel like you just got to look at volume at that point because I mean, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo had like nineteen attempts. Lamar Jackson had fifty-nine. That's a poor decision making on my part. So speaking about volume, what makes this hilarious? So Deshaun Lamar Jackson eight bad throws. Uh, 14.8% of his throws were therefore bad throws um, because he had 59 attempts. Um, <laughs> whereas Deshaun Watson, with 52 attempts, nine bad throws was 18% of his, uh, where it means 18% of his throws were bad. But that doesn't lead the percentage category because Ryan Tannehill had four bad throws of his 14 Ooh. attempts, which means that 28.6 of his throws were bad. That's not, and they're gonna give him a huge contract. Maybe not a huge one, but they're gonna give him a big contract. Uh, uh, now let me ask you, Corbin, who do you think suffered the most drops, and what was that number? Ooh, uh, Lamar Jackson with yes. six, seven. Ah, damn, so close. So basically, what we're saying with Lamar Jackson is he combined for fifteen we'll say bad throw or, or bad passing scenarios between his bad throws and his drops 15. And that's the most, um, Probably Deshaun bad. Watson has 13. Patrick Mahomes had nine. Uh, Ryan Tindall Hill just had the four cause the Tennessee Titans didn't drop a single pass. I think they might've been the only team to not do it. Um, Russell Wilson had six cause of two drops and four bad throws. Russell, uh, Aaron Rodgers had four, and then uh, Kirk Cousins had four, and Jimmy Garoppolo had three. So 15 really stands out. Basically, that 15, 13%, 13% drop percent. So 13% of, the, of his passes were dropped. 14.8% of his passes were just bad. So 27, basic, more like 28, 28% of his pass events were just fucked, which is the same number as Ryan Tannehill, but Ryan Tannehill threw 14 passes. Lamar Jackson threw almost 60. And the offense was not running around Ryan Tannehill. The offense was running around Lamar Jackson. So, doesn't look good for our boy Lamar. Nope. But again, he's still young. He's still the MVP. I have full faith in him for next year. Their season's over, obviously, but uh, I expect them to come back full force next year. I certainly would as well. They, uh, yeah, anyone counting uh, Lamar Jackson out? Like you can't just you can't just discount sixteen whole ass. Or I think he played fifteen games because I think they threw in the towel for the last one and still mm -hmm. won. Uh, but regardless, you can't throw away an entire MVP season because of one bad game against a weirdly good team. Like, he's still a phenomenal quarterback. Yeah, he'll be good for a long time, which sucks for the rest of the AFC North and the Steelers. Just God. wait till, uh, till, till Burrow is in, the, uh, is in a Bengals uniform, trying his best. Oh, it's going to be bad. I mean, I say that now. I fully believe the Bengals will do everything in their power to fuck him up, and I hope they don't succeed for his sake. But, man, I do not have a lot of faith in the Bengals right now. Uh, I don't think anyone near Cincinnati has faith in the Bengals yeah. um, or understands what that sentiment means. <laughs> but we will definitely go into that much deeper once it gets closer to draft time.
Uh, gotta love the NFL draft. By far the most exciting of the drafts. I haven't really started much uh, investigating into the draft yet. Uh, just kind of some surface level stuff. I cannot wait. Mm. So All right. Exciting. Let's talk about the final two uh, conferencely divided games. The AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game. Upcoming this Sunday. The first of those two games will be the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Titans at Arrowhead. Um, team ranks is what we did last time to to preamble these games. So the home team, Kansas City Chiefs, are five and three this season in their stadium. The away team, the Tennessee Titans, their away record is five and three, evenly paced there. Uh, the Titans are tenth in points scored per game. The Chiefs are fifth in points allowed per game. The Tennessee Titans are twelfth. The Kansas City Chiefs are seventh. Takeaway differential, the Tennessee Titans are ninth. The Kansas City Chiefs are seventh. Passing yards per game, Tennessee is 21st. And uh, Kansas City is fifth. In rushing yards per game, Tennessee is third. And Kansas City is 23rd. Uh, Defensive passing yards per game, Tennessee is 24th. Kansas City is eighth. Wow. And rushing defensive rushing yards per game, Tennessee is 12th. And Kansas City is 26th. So pretty... Off and on, uh, each team playing to the other team's weakness and vice versa here. At least it would appear based on their season-long rankings. Corwin, what make you of this? Man, I uh, so here's how I think this game's going to go. I think if Derrick Henry gets the ball 30 times again, I think he's going to rush for 200 yards or close to it but I don't think the Chiefs are going to give them the option to run the ball that much. I think they're going to go up early with that offense. I think they're going to force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball, and I think that's going to doom the Titans. So I'm going to go 34-19 Chiefs. I, I am going to, I'm going to predict absolute chaos. Uh, <laughs> I'm going team full anarchy here. Because I refuse to try to gamble with what the Titans are. Because I don't know. I don't know. So here's my prediction. Okay. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to throw the ball uh, 32 times. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs> He's going to have like an over 100 passing rate, passer rating. Um, okay. Like two <laughs> touchdowns, no turnovers. Phenomenal day. Derrick Henry is going to rush for around 30 times and have 118 yards and like nine different touchdowns. Now, well, uh, you know, <laughs> nine touchdowns. Yep. Another, sure. another, another two touchdowns there. <laughs> uh, something like that. And, uh, and, and the, the chiefs, the chiefs are going to be good, but Ryan Tannehill is going to gun out gunsling Patrick Mahomes to go to the super bowl. I'm, I'm going to say, because fuck trying to figure this game out. I don't want to participate. Um, that the Titans win. I'm going to say Titans win. I'm going to say Titans win thir- 35 to 32. Okay. Okay. I like that. I don't think it'll happen, but I do love the oh, chance of that. Ha- like, not the if, chance of it happening, but if it did happen, I would love it to death. If we're giving likelihoods to our predictions, mine, <laughs> I'm my own admission, mine's super low. But uh, okay, okay fuck enough. it. I mean, team chaos. 
yeah. All right. So let's go. Let's get into the second one, which I think I'll have a much easier time working with. The San Francisco 49ers against the Green Bay Packers happening in Levi's Stadium in San Francisco. Team ranks throughout this season. The home team, San Francisco, six and two at home. The Green Bay Packers away record is six and two. Evenly matched. Uh, the points scored per game, Green Bay is 15th. San Francisco is second. Points allowed per game, Green Bay is ninth. San Fran is eighth. Takeaway differential, Green Bay is third. San Francisco is 10th. Passing yards per game, Green Bay 17th. San Francisco 13th. Rushing yards per game, Green Bay 15th. San Francisco 2nd. Defensive passing yards per game, Green Bay 14th. San Francisco 1st. Defensive rushing yards per game, Green Bay 23rd. San Francisco 17th. All right. How are we feeling about this? Oh, man. This is tough. I think... The 49ers are going to come out on top here because of their defense, but I think it's going to be close. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to come back late in this game, throw some deep balls to score some touchdowns, but I think they're going to be forced to go for two, and I don't know if they're going to get it. So I'm going to go 27-26 49ers. It's tough to argue with. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Green Bay only because I I think both quarterbacks are gonna have to work a little bit on this one. Uh, San Francisco's defense is phenomenal. It's spectacular. It's beautiful. Um, Green Bay's defense is okay, but I think that the offense will put enough pressure on San Francisco's offense that they might force Jimmy Garoppolo to do more things. And I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is well-equipped to do more things. So I'm going to pick Green Bay. Just I'm going to – I'm basically betting on Aaron Rodgers much the way I bet on him against the Seahawks. And I think this also would be close. I think the points range you picked is just perfect. Uh, so I'm going to say Green Bay takes it 28 to 24. I can't complain. I'm honestly – probably going to end up rooting for the Packers just because I want to see Aaron Rodgers go for another Super Bowl. Um, but I don't know. I just think that defense for the 49ers might give them the, the slightest edge. Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't think you're wrong for having that opinion in the slightest. Like that's, that's the main line of delineation there is do you believe in Rodgers and a well-rounded Green Bay team, but not great? Um, more than you believe in an actual great San Francisco defense and, and an adequate Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it, it's, a, it's a tough place to be in. When was the last time one of us did get upset that the other held a certain position? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember. How many bills does it take Mike Trout to clean his ass? Like, I don't know. Uh, 10? 11? Too many. Too, too many. Too many. <laughs> It's sloppy so, down there, Mike. Oh, oh, life just got depressing again. Ugh. Yeah, that was a that was a wonderful day. Uh, uh, now for sad news, I guess in the NFL. Yeah, lay it on me, big guy. Luke Keekley, twenty eight years old, seven time Pro Bowler, five time All Pro, has officially retired from the NFL. Um, I have to imagine that it is due to the. Several serious concussions he's gotten over his career. He says he would like to keep playing, but it's 
not really up to him anymore. He's a two-time defensive player of the year, all around, you know, arguably the best defensive player in football any given season. You could have that argument at the very least. Um, it's it is a sad day for football and therefore mankind. He retires after his age twenty-eight season. Basically following in the footsteps of Patrick Willis, which I mean, uh, there was a lot of talk about this online. It, their two careers just line up so perfectly with how dominant they were. Just essentially the best linebackers in all of football any given season for so long. And injuries just forced them to end their career short because they're no longer the players that they were at their prime. And they don't want to put themselves uh, in any further harm. You know what's astonishing is how few games he missed. Because in yeah. my mind, like he had, yeah, he had the injury uh, history, but he missed, um, he played every game for his first three seasons. He missed three games in 2015, six games in 2016, and then one game in 2017, then played full seasons last year and this year. Um, it just shows what a fucking trooper he is. He so, led the league three times. Uh, he led the league once in twice in combined tackles and most recently in safeties. Oh, wow. Yeah. One of those years was, uh, Jesus Christ. I, I, I have to compare Luke Cookley and, uh, Keekley and what Patrick Willis here because it's just so similar. Luke Keekley, seven time pro bowler, Patrick Willis, seven time pro bowler, uh, both five time all pros. Keekley has two uh, defensive player of the year awards i'm sorry they each have one player of the year awards keekley just also has a rookie of the year i'm so fucking stupid they each have rookie of the year but keekley has a defensive player of the year my apologies keekley played 118 games in his eight-year career um patrick willis played in 112 over the same time frame both led the league in combined uh tackles as a rookie um and also in their third season which is just a crazy coincidence i love to see it it's just i don't want to say they're carbon copies because they're not quite but they are just such similar players it's crazy to see them both have to succumb to injuries the way they did hey i think this is just it's just big messaging to to players. Uh, Gronk retired before he turned thirty. Mm-hmm. Luke Keekley, uh, yes, Luke Keekley, because for years I thought it was Lou Keekley. Really? really? Oh yeah, say say it out <laughs> loud again. Say say it out loud. Luke Keekley. Oh yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Those two Dude, Ks back to back. That that Dude, really fucks with four ye- years. I'm so embarrassed how long it took me to realize it was Luke <laughs> Keekley. Yeah, not Lou Keekley. Luke Keekley. Um, but it really shows like this is this league is tough uh on mm-hmm. your body in a way that's going to affect future health because baseball is tough on your body, but not necessarily in a way it's gonna affect your future health. You know, if you blow out your elbow, well then you just have elbow surgery. And it's like I might be a little bit blase about that, but having a bum elbow is going to be inconvenient and i'm sure it's going to be painful 
but it's not the same as like not being able to walk or like not being able to remember your twenties or mm-hmm. not being able to have just steady brain function for, for the last 20 years of your life. Right. Or the dramatic emotional and mental changes that we're seeing a guy like Antonio Brown go through at this point. Yeah. And it he's just, it affects young. you in such a different way. And, and it's so unique in that respect, you know, like I'm sure hockey's experiencing something like it to move to a smaller extent. They kind of have a combination of standard injuries and concussion problems, but football, I mean, the, the hits are the intention of the game. You know, it's not something you can try to legislate out of it. Like you can with hockey, like at least they're trying to, um, if a running back's running at you or if a running back's running in general, your job's to hit him. And yeah. that was Luke Keekley's job for a long time. And it did a number on him. So he 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 secured the bag, as the kids say, and uh he's out of there, which you know he, I respect it. It makes me fucking sad. Uh, but you gotta respect it. I I really hate for this to be the case, but my lasting memory of Luke Keekley is going to be the the concussion he got against the Saints when he was uh, trying to tackle Hightower, I forget his first name, and he's just sitting there with the trainers just in tears. And that's yeah. that's that's the image of him that's going to be ingrained in my head because, you know, if it was just that one concussion, it could be almost forgotten about. It could be, you know, put beside and saying, all right, hey, you could look at the rest of his career and see how great it is. But Like Carson Wentz's concussion. Right. They just got. It's just so consistent. Uh, just it's so often that it. That's what's burnt into my head when I think about his career. You know, looking back over the past eight years. And one of the things that they say: each concussion is uh, easier to get than the last one. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, do you get more susceptible for uh, for them over time as as you've had more of them, and he's had a few. It's a it's a fucking shame. Um. And just to turn this conversation completely on its head, Larry Fitzgerald is still playing. Yeah. Which is phenomenal. He's he's coming back for his 17th season uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. I love that he's been with the Cardinals for his entire career. I hope to God he never goes to a different team. I hope to God he never retires. I hope he's here forever. Um, He's just so lovable. Um, I'm happy to see him come back. I, I hate to say it, he's a Pitt alumni, he's a Pitt Hall of Famer, but I couldn't think of any player in the NFL I'd want to just sit down and hang out with more than a guy like Larry Fitzgerald. I love Larry Fitz so much. Um, so he has played 250 games in his career, which is just a comical number of games. Mm-hmm. He is 53 games behind Jerry Rice. That's, that's so batshit crazy. <laughs> I mean, going into the Jerry Rice is a whole different rabbit hole that I don't think we'll ever have time for. But my God, like, it's crazy to think how long Larry's been playing and how long he's been just a fixture of the NFL. That He's still, you know, four full seasons behind, you know, the greatest player of all time. Oh, by, by yeah, absolutely. 53, 53 games, three a little over three seasons, which I love Larry. And if he wants to, I hope the Cardinals allow him to and that age allows him to and all that. But 
he's not playing. <laughs> he's not playing three more seasons. No, no, no. It's, it's just not happening. Um, real, real, real quick. I just want to see. Uh, so I have them in front of me. Larry, Larry just finished up his uh, age thirty six season. Mm-hmm. The big numbers he had. Uh, he had seventy five receptions. Uh, eight hundred and four yards, four touchdowns. Still a uh, terrific season by all means. Six, absolutely, sixty eight point eight percent catch percent, seven point four yards per target. Uh, and th- that that is is certainly uh, overall ten point seven yards per t- scrimmage yards per touch. So this is this is a, a tidy little season. Uh, mm-hmm. Jerry Rice, age thirty six season. Shall we? Let's do it. Eighty two receptions. 1,157 yards for 14.1 yards per reception. He had a 53, 54.3% catch percent, which is actually not great. Not uh, even, honestly, I would say uh, very good, all things considered. No, yeah, it's not I, bad, but it's not good. Second lowest of his career, and he still put up 1,100 yards. Uh, 77, 7.7 yards per target, 14.1 yards per touch. Um, and uh, did I say he had nine touchdowns? He had nine touchdowns. Fucking nuts. <laughs> it's crazy. He is God, he God. is such an enigma of a player. Yeah. He is a, it's just oh God, how do you not love Jerry? Um I don't know. He Maybe if he you're played a Raiders fan. He played through the entire run of Seinfeld. <laughs> he he started playing football. Seinfeld was not on TV. And then he played a whole career. And by the time he finished, Seinfeld was done. I don't know how you come up with these uh, connections, but I love you for it. <laughs> <laughs> we get each other so well, Josh. <laughs> like, who, you know what? Jerry Seinfeld became, went from being no one to having hundreds of millions of dollars in just 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 in jerry rice's career that's how we should be comparing jerry seinfeld to the rest of the world now is did was he able to do it or was anyone able to do it during jerry rice's career because that's what's important that that's the that's the real marker really is (laughs) he Um, should have been the show uh or should have been the star of Jerry Seinfeld show, Jerry. That would be phenomenal. Imagine if Jerry Rice was playing like Kramer. Oh, if Jerry, who would Jerry Rice have to be in the show? He'd have to be Jerry because he's definitely not a George. He's pretty much not a Kramer. He's he's too confident and successful to be anyone but Jerry. But his confidence and success, maybe maybe he'd be one of Elaine's bosses. Ooh, true. Because Elaine be always has kinds of boss. He, that's what, I, the exact person I was thinking of. <laughs> oh, God. Imagine if Jerry Wright talked about football the way Jay Peterman talks about fucking shoes. You know, not only that, but like I could, I'm, I can see so clearly like a bit in my head where like Jerry Rice is like trying to get Elaine to play catch and he like throws her a football and she like catches it and it kind of pushes her big ass hair back and she makes that face she makes where she scrunches her nose and like, Puts her tongue on her teeth and he's just like that. Not today. <laughs> this isn't exactly my thing. 
<laughs> Joe, I'm imagining Jerry Rice on the show talking to Joe Montana for some reason. I too am no stranger to love on the clock. As a younger, my father apprenticed me to a honey factory in Belize, and that's where I learned how to get sticky stuff on my fingers to catch a football. That was you an heard awful of- Jay Peterman. <laughs> Oh, God. Elaine, what's all over your ass? <laughs> Stick them, Jerry. Stick them. Oh, man. All right, I know what I'm watching later. <laughs> this weird crossover? Yeah. I'm going to uh, do some acid and dream about it tonight. Perfect. That. that sounds great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else do we have for football, just so we can close it out? Uh, we have some coaching hires uh, yes. that we could just touch on closely. Uh, the Cleveland Browns named Kevin Stefanski as their head coach. Out of um, left field. Yeah, not uh, not exactly the most inspired decision that uh, I would have made. Uh, most recently, the offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, their former quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends coach. Um, he's been with them since 2006. Every season in the NFL has been with Minnesota. Um, it's taken a lot to prime away, or he was just feeling undervalued. Yeah, I feel like it's more of a he spent so much time there, might as well get yourself out there as uh, a head coach. I mean, he's only 37, will be 38 by the time the season starts. I kind of see this as the Browns wanting to use. Uh, Nick Chubb more uh, with that run game, and especially seeing how Stefanski ran the show in Minnesota. This could be a good hire for them, take some pressure off Baker Mayfield. Hopefully it works out. Um, we'll see, especially since you know they really used a tight end and two wide receivers, and that was the entirety of their receiving personnel. And with the Browns having uh, David Njoku, Odell Beckham Jr., and Jarvis Landry, as of now, uh, that wouldn't be too shabby of a receiving core to use primarily. So uh, I'll hold my breath on this one. I don't hate it, but it's not my favorite hire of the season. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate it either. I obviously don't know this man nearly as well as some others will, including yourself. Um, it just seemed odd because it felt like the Browns were getting ready to make a splash. And this, again, is like yeah, it doesn't seem bad, but it definitely isn't like. A splash of any kind mm-hmm. but you know this could end up being great for them so we will see yeah not my favorite hire uh so we might as well move on to what is uh joe brady the passing game coordinator of the lsu tigers coming off a national championship victory over the clemson tigers uh which we didn't talk about at all but we don't really need to. We don't really go into college football that much. Uh, but Joe Brady, new offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, fantastic for them, uh, especially with Matt Rule coming in, needed to bring in some quality coordinators to uh, help fill out his coaching staff, seeing as he doesn't have any NFL experience. He needs to draw from the college ranks, and God damn it, he hit this ball 550 feet over the green monster, uh, just major home run for them. Um, I mean, any team that got Joe Brady this season probably would have been the biggest victors of the coaching carousel. I am devastated. The Steelers stuck with Randy Fickner over the even opportunity to go after this guy. He has that much value uh, with his name right now. 
Um, so huge gift for the Panthers. Uh, you have any take on this? I know uh, you probably have only heard him in passing, at least. Yeah, I actually honestly haven't even heard the name just because I'm so far football, but I am aware of the LSU Tigers, and I'm also aware of the ridiculous season that, that uh, uh, Joe Burrow or Justin Burrow, I always mix up the name Joe Burrow. Head. Joe Burrow just had set the college football record for touchdowns this season. And, it's uh, actually either- fuck out of here no it's not um I, you had me for a fucking second uh, but then he also he, he set or or very nearly set several records either set or came in second for uh, a, a couple of them so uh not surprised to see one of the main orchestrators of that success move on to the nfl um 65 65 touchdowns 60 of which were passing is a ridiculous number both most all time in a single season. Yes, yes, that is what I that is what I saw. Um, it's just it doesn't it just doesn't feel possible even at what is a uh, bear with me for saying it a lower level of competition. It just still feels nuts to see that number. Paul so. Feinbaum is going to have you tarred and feathered for saying the SEC is not the same level of competition as the NFL. But you know, oh well. Um, well, indeed, us normal people know exactly what you mean. I I think it's a super cool. I think it's really, really great. It would have been even cooler if he got hired by the Bengals, which is the likely spot <laughs> for Joe Burrow. But uh, yeah, I mean, Panthers seem to just be fucking nailing it. Yeah. Um, Coaching wise. Tepper. Do you know the first name of the uh Panthers owner, uh, like John Tepper, Jim Tepper, something like that. Oh, I don't. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, it's no big deal, but he is, uh, without a doubt, shelling out just buckets of cash. Uh, David Tepper, excuse me. Dave, I just pulled it up, too. Um, just spending so much money to basically reload this coaching staff for the Panthers. And I just, I love it so much. Even though the Panthers aren't my team, I don't really care for them all that excuse me all that much at all no just seeing an owner willing to shell out money to make his team competitive um and just really put it all into the team i love to see so really excited for what they can put together and really excited to see what happens with cam newton now uh yeah that's the big question cam newton with a guy like joe burrow i know he has his shoulder issues he hasn't always been the uh, most consistent passer over his career, but uh, seeing those two come together would be fantastic, uh, to say the least. Any anything else? Anything else change? Um, or anything else we had to discuss in the NFL? That uh, that completes it. All right. Shall we talk about um, the Astros? Yeah, we should probably mention the Astros, seeing as uh, we've talked about them quite a bit, and we finally reached, uh, for the most part, a conclusion on this. A fully unsatisfying conclusion, but a conclusion nonetheless. So, MLB came out, and they said that, yes, the Houston Astros did cheat throughout the 2017 season both regular and postseason, including the World Series. And their resolution was a one-year ban 
to AJ Hinch, the manager of the Astros, a one-year ban to Jeff Lunau, the GM of the Astros, um, a loss of their 2020 first and second round picks, a loss of their 2021 first and second round picks, and a $5 million fine. And wow, is that a paltry sum. It's it's the worst. Um, man, It's I saw something that I wanted to mention um, through merchandise sales and ticket sales, ticket cost increases, um, advertising, all that coming directly from winning the Super Bowl. The Astros made something like $60 million. Easy. So a $5 million uh, fine is nothing to them no and i mean the two first round or yeah the two first round picks the two second round picks that's what it is it's probably the biggest uh biggest effect that it's gonna have on the team man i can't oh, by far that. i um, think i mean uh aj hinch and the who is it the president of baseball operations yeah the gm jeff now. oh gm yeah, losing them was probably going to happen anyway. So you know, a one-year suspension on top of being fired, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Because guess what? They still have that Super Bowl victory. Well, uh, they still, yeah. Jesus, now I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, I just I think this is too short to be the deterrent that they want it to be. Uh, there's 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 so much to make you mad here. It's like, where do you start? Mm-hmm. All right, draft picks. All right, cool, fine. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, they already uh, have my, a fantastic farm system. Yeah, and that's the thing that, that makes you not care about it is like one, their farm system is very good. It's de- it's a little bit more on the depleted end now because there's been a lot of call ups and there's been a lot of trades. Um, but that coupled with they are a win now team, and yeah, their window is going to close eventually. But as it stands right now, the rotation while taking a step back because they lost Garrett Cole is still a good rotation. Their hitters are all still good hitters. Um, or at least, at least we think they are. <laughs> and a team in win now mode don't necessarily need picks that would have been 20 to 25 and uh, 50 to 60. So it's, it's I get it. And I'm sure that obviously the team would rather have it. There were free agents who weren't signed last postseason because teams were trying to avoid giving up a third round pick. So I understand that there is value in these things, but it feels like just like if it was, if this was to be a fine levied against like the White Sox or the Padres or the Marlins or the, or the the Orioles, like, yeah, that's an immediate hurt. Like mm-hmm. that is going to directly impact their near future, but for the Astros, just not really. Um, yeah, completely agree. Let's, let's let's go then to the five million dollars. Apparently, that's just the max that they're allowed to find a team. Really? Which? Yeah. Apparently, that's just that. in the CBA. That's the maximum they're allowed to find a team, or that's... in the ownership, which is insane. Yeah, I don't. And I don't like that. If that's true, then 
I mean, my God, I just don't understand because these franchises are valued out in the billions, the actual capital B billions. And you can't find them more than $5 million. That's it. That's less than a half of 1% of what the Astros are worth. If they, they could end up owing that in taxes this year. Like I imagine that they owe a, a lot more than five million. I mean, like, like if they like didn't pay up to like if they took too many deductions or whatever, like you know their tax refund yeah. is negative five million, which is like, a whole other argument about. Never mind, we won't go into it. Yeah, un- un- understood. Uh, it's so I'm willing to look past that for now too, because if that's really the maximum allowed, I guess what the fuck are you supposed to do as commish? Lifetime bans. That brings me to the one thing that they really fucked up here, and that's determining the consequences for the individuals involved. So, let's start with what they did do. Jeff Lunau is suspended for mm-hmm. one year. Okay. okay. Um, he, he, I, hmm. All right. Uh, you know what? Let me start with this. The only reason I think it was only one year is because I think that the commissioner wanted to give Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, the opportunity to fire those two guys himself, put distance between the uh, ownership and the events and the cheating and to help the Astros save a bit of face because otherwise the one year bans don't make a lick of sense. Uh, you had a GM who must have been aware of this. I refuse to believe he didn't, who had ultimate control to either change this, to fire AJ Hinch, to fire Alex Cora, to report the activity to the MLB, to report it to Jim Crane. Like, there's no way he didn't know. So a one-year ban on on just knowing feels light. And then AJ Hinch let it fucking happen if not actively encouraged it. And he did it all the way through a World Series title. That's inexcusable. And the fact that they didn't punish a single player is beyond me because, and it's been talked about a lot, the 1919 World Series being thrown by the White Sox. And I understand that these were different scenarios basically in their entirety. But the point is, Eight dudes on the White Sox tried to cheat and did. Eight dudes cheated on the White Sox. All eight of them got lifetime bans. You can fuck right on out of here if you're trying to tell me that the commissioner is is, is incapable of executing something of that nature in today's era where the commissioner has even more power. Didn't they just do this with the Atlanta Braves? Um, there was no lifetime bans with the Braves. Okay. Uh, I was just off of my memory, but I wasn't sure. Believe actually their GM still works with the Braves. I think it's the same guy. I think that doesn't matter. Um, Um, from what I've heard around the campfire is that the MLB offered, uh, 
immunity for players coming forward. And that's a big pussy move because there's lots of video. Another Yo. thing I heard is that the MLB just didn't want to fucking deal with the Players Association. And you know what? I'm, I never say this. Fuck the Players Association. Fuck that shit. This is literally the integrity of the game. I don't know how much more severe it possibly could have been. They cheated in the World Series and won as a direct result of it. And yes, the Astros were a good team that year. And if all else was held equal and put in a vacuum, they certainly could have beat the Dodgers in a World Series. But the fact is, we're never going to know because that time has passed. That ship has sailed. They did cheat and they did win wild cheating. And the MLB is going to do nothing. They're going to do absolutely nothing. Jim Crane gets to line his pockets with at least $60 more million in revenue, not counting the increase in his valuations for his business, which is going to be mm -hmm. enormous. The Astros the players. Oh, easily. Astros players and the fired individuals all get to retain that sparkling World Series championship ring, as well as going to put that on their resume and in their uh, on their mental place for the entirety of their lives. And nothing's going to come at, on the players who won MVP awards. And Jose Altuve won MVP that year. And the MLB is saying, fuck it. And you know why? You know the sole reason why Jose Altuve won MVP that year? Because he had a super high batting average. <laughs> he never walked. He didn't walk at all. His on-base percentage was less than Aaron Judge's. I'm not even saying, saying this as a Yankees fan with the big Aaron Judge stand because whatever. I was mad about it then, but looking back, it's what it was. Sometimes MVP voting's fucking stupid and weird. But <laughs> the thing that resulted in him winning the MVP is the thing that, he, that they were helping him cheat with. And nothing's going to come of it. Nothing. Uh, and just for further reference, in 2017, Braves GM John Coppolella was banned for life by the MLB oh, for it was. violations. That's right. It wasn't. It wasn't the Greek guy yet. It was who? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Just further bullshit by the MLB. Yeah, because they were saying they this is the harshest penalty they've ever handed out to a front office. But a front office man being banned for life sounds pretty fucking bad. Yeah, no kidding. I just, I just can't. If you had told me. This time a year ago, that uh, because nothing had come out, there was no rumors yet in in January of 2019, like nothing. No one was suspecting a thing, at least in the public sphere. That a team wouldn't have to specify the Astros, a team who won a World Series in the past five years. It was going to come out that they had video and auditory proof like undeniable hard tr pr proof that they cheated all throughout the regular season through the postseason in the world series and won, and not a single active participating player received a measure of penalty for it. I would say you're out of your goddamn mind. Like there's no way MLB will let that happen. It's such bad signaling. It's such a bad look. It ruins. They keep up. They keep trying to update the rules for baseball 
to try to make it a more contemporary game, more palatable to the regular person. Keep it, but, but keeping it within the spirit of the game. You know, they don't want pitchers to take a 45 seconds between pitches because it's not in the spirit of the game. They're trying to 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 cut down on dead time in baseball games to appeal to 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 fans and audience members. You know what doesn't appeal to anybody? This cheating, actual, actual cheating. You know what doesn't appeal to the spirit of the game? Cheating. Real actual cheating. That they did, that there's proof. That random stupid motherfuckers on YouTube could pull up and point out, including people I like, but they could any any random jackass in the world could have gone on YouTube, put in at Houston 2017 and heard the bang for themselves on YouTube from MLB verified uploads. And they did nothing. They did nothing. It's it's a ridiculous sentence. They did nothing. Has John Boy put out any uh, videos on this topic? Not that I've seen yet. I would really love to see his reaction to this after putting in so much effort in exposing this and putting this information out there. Um, because I can't imagine he's exactly uh, agreeing with what the MLB handed down. I can't imagine anyone is because they're like, all right, let me let me try to be a little bit less pontificating about this. So wow, with AJ Hinch, right there. Way to go. thanks, buddy. So with AJ Hinch and Jeff Loon out, I was actually under the impression because I know in football, if you get banned or if you you get suspended for X amount of games, but you're not active, then the penalty begins once you get picked up. So like Josh Gordon, I believe, right. had uh had like a four or eight game suspension, but it wasn't in effect until he was like on a team doing stuff. And so I was under the impression that it was gonna work the same way. Like AJ Hinch and Jeff Lunau's suspensions from baseball will commence once they get hired. Because they did get fired by Jim Crane. But apparently not. Apparently it's just the twenty twenty yeah. season. Which I is feel like another- that comes down to the the wording. It's a uh, it's not a game suspension. It's just a time frame ban, uh, which is weird. But uh, I kind of get it. I kind of I wish it was different, but I get why it is what it is now. Um, so- no, I don't know. <laughs> what infuriates me about it, and this isn't going to happen because no team will do it, but. In theory, both of those two could have jobs next year. Th- yeah. This time, honestly, eight or not eight, uh, ten months from now, not even a year, ten months from now, they could both be working again in baseball for other teams. Which is at in the same calendar so year crazy. as they get penalized by Major League Baseball for cheating in a World Series. They could be working for a team. It's insane. Yeah. So, and not even not even if it was in their current roles, just in general. Like AJ Hinch doesn't have to get hired as a manager for me to be mad. AJ Hinch has to be hired for me to be mad. Oh, for I agree. Anything. I agree. I agree. Same thing with Jeff Lunau. And they can both be hired by anybody in baseball in 10 months. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. So where do you think this leaves Cora? Alex Cora. Hold on, I want to get to Cora in one second because I okay. just 
if this wasn't the thing to go to absolute nuclear war with the MLBPA over, I don't know what is. Like, are they really so afraid of the players' union? By the way, it's not like the MLB has never, like, beaten the players' union before. They just snuck in legislation last year into federal law, by the way, that declared uh, uh, minor league baseball players as seasonal workers who didn't have to meet the minimum wage requirement. They put into federal law that they don't have to pay minimum wage to minor league baseball players in direct opposition to what the MLBPA was going for. Direct opposition to the MLBPA. Federal law. And you're going to tell me that they can't, they didn't want to put up a fight on cheating? They they have all kinds of rules and regulations that they beat out the MLBPA on when it comes to stuff like drug testing, which they just conceded on this year. Uh, suspensions in regards to, to domestic violence. A whole swath of things, some good, some bad, that they go to the war with the MLBPA on constantly and win. And nothing. Chris Bryant lost a lost a very very obvious service time manipulation uh, legal battle with where the MLB beat out the MLBPA. The MLBPA couldn't even win a fashion argument against MLB when it came to uh, players' cleats being fifty one percent the color of the team in twenty eighteen, <laughs> and then uh, some players being allowed to wear their regular jerseys instead of the players' weekend jerseys this past season, 2019. The MLB beats the MLBPA in arguments and decisions all the fucking time. All the fucking time. Why wouldn't you go to war with this? And beyond that, just to extend it a little bit further, think about what Roger Goodell did to Tom Brady for Deflategate. It, was, it wasn't a real thing. So Roger Goodell yeah. suspends Brady for four games. Brady fights and saying, you can't do that. It goes to court. And I think Goodell lost. I think they said, no, no, you can't do that. And Goodell went back to court and said, well, this is my industry. This is my sports league. And if I want to make a rule saying I got to suspend a player for uh, doing something unbecoming of the league or that violates a league rule, then that's fine. And he won. That's why Tom Brady served that four-game suspension. And it doesn't matter that deflating footballs isn't illegal. Nothing he did was illegal. It's that it was illegal to the NFL, and that's why he got forced to serve his four-game suspension. Why couldn't the MLB make a very similar argument for this? I guess technically the Astros' theft isn't like theft theft, but stealing signs in that fashion is explicitly made illegal by the MLB. And if this became an issue that they actually had to go to court over, the same exact offense that Goodell used against Brady in 2016 seems exceedingly fitting in this exact same scenario. They violated league rules. We can do whatever the fuck we want if they violate league rules. We are the league. Like, I I don't get why this isn't a hill for them to die on. I, I don't I don't have a I don't have a good answer for you. I don't know. I'm on your side here. I can't I can't even attempt to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, it feels it feels just weird. Like how would you feel 
if everything stayed the same, but like um, four players of your choosing also got one year suspensions, like just, you know, uh, Altuve, Correa, um, uh, Beltron. Well, he's not a player anymore, so that would be tricky, um, which we didn't talk about, but it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know Two pick 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 two more players, Alex Bregman and and Yuli Gurriel Jr. All also got suspended for one year. How See, would you- I, I I'm, wouldn't be a fan of handing out player suspensions just because you don't know the extent to which players knew. Obviously, Altuve and all of the major players had to have known about it, but there's no clear line for you to be able to draw the way you can with AJ Hinch and Lupau. Um, I mean, the GM, the manager, they have to know. And it's very clear to say, all right, you guys are the top brass. You're the ones in charge of this team making these decisions. The team's essentially going to follow you unless there's a mutiny. You can't really do that with players. And as much as I wish that individual players could be punished for breaking the rules and, um, you know, increasing their own stats and their own favor in games the way they did, I don't know of any, you know, clear and definitive way to do so while maintaining a fairness. So I'm all for banning both of those managers for life. I just don't know how you could do that with players. I can, I agree that it definitely would be trickier. Uh, but at the same at the same time, I still feel as though it just it just would be necessary hmm. due to just how systemic this was. How the, there is an obvious level of involvement and of gains achieved from it. But I I can at least appreciate you trying to bring some. Uh, gray area into it so getting to alex cora uh he had a he had a whole Alyssa, was there anything else you wanted to say specifically about the astros before we moved there no, i'm ready to move on to cora okay uh he has a whole separate investigation going on which is why sanctions fines what have you have not been levied against him yet but apparently they are underway luckily that is almost literally impossible for it to come down between when we're recording this and when this is releasing because that time frame is like four hours, which uh, so we cannot get fucked. Um, basically, though, he his, of all the people named in the commissioner's nine page report on the Astros cheating scandal, Alex Cora's name appeared the most and appeared 11 times. Ooh. So more than once per page. And he is heavily implicated in that report, as well as being the main person under scrutiny in the Red Sox cheating scandal of 2018. And Yay. apparently again, word around the campfire is because he was so heavily involved in both to seemingly a larger extent than AJ Hinch. Although how much do we know his punishment's going to be a lot worse and he already got fired, by- which is probably a sign that it's going to be bad. And however slim a chance there is that Lunau and Hinch end up back in baseball, it's probably an even worse chance Cora does. Um, 
Yeah. Cause he, he took a whole system of cheating, a whole culture of cheating, propped it up in Houston, carried it over to the Red Sox and frauded his way to two world series titles in back-to-back years, all while lying to the MLB about it. That is not a good look. I just, I'm really hoping that it ends up being a much more serious fine. Um, not even fine, but uh, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Not suspension. Sanction. Sanction. That, that's what I'm looking for. Um, I, After seeing what was handed out to the Astros, I don't have a lot of faith in that. People were joking, maybe it'll be twice as severe, and it'll be two years. Um, <laughs> if lifetime oh isn't on the table, I would like it to at least be five. Um, just to show that you're serious, but I don't even know. I'm going to be interested in seeing how they handle it. Apparently, again, this is just chatter. Take it for what you will. A lot of teams are really mad that the MLB wasn't more harsh. And yeah, I imagine since they made Alex Cora like the poster child of this whole incident, which does whether or not he deserves to be so, I think is a little bit unclear for myself personally, since there's so many characters unraveled in the story but uh, the MLBs was certainly trying to make him the poster child so maybe his punishment will be more telling but uh it's it's just been so light it's been so it's been so tough to feel any type of satisfaction i don't think we're gonna get any satisfaction at the end of all this it doesn't look good my friend it does it uh it does not look good um I, I saw the Pirates Twitter was talking about how Alex's Cor- Alex Cora's older brother works for the Pirates, so that means that either he's going to come to the Pirates next, or the Pirates were cheating this whole time using the same Cora methods, and we just suck at it. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> Neither of them are great. <laughs> I saw a lot of people saying that, like I, you know. There's a good chance Alex Cora can recover from this, or they're hoping he will. He's a really nice guy. Hope he finds his way back into baseball, a la Alex Rodriguez. And I don't want him back. I I still think he, he I think I actually do think Alex Cora is probably a good guy. Uh, I know he's done a lot of good work for Puerto Rico and is very vocal about his uh his beliefs and his charity work and all of those things. And so if you take away the Alex Cora of baseball, Alex Cora, the man, sounds, again, outside of baseball, like a good guy. However, Alex Cora of baseball is abominable. He is awful. He is a lying, cheating sack of shit. And as much as you like Alex Cora, the man, and again, I actually don't, like if I ran into Alex Cora on the street, I I I think I'd be nice. I I really don't think I'd be mean because I know he's done a lot of good for like the world. Um for 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 the 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 things he cares about. He seems very active and serious about those things. And whereas the Astros culture cultivated mostly by Lunau was emblematic of guys like Brandon Taubman who actually did get put on the commissioner's permanently ineligible list. So he's effectively banned for life. Um, Alex Cora's was not Alex Cora's culture was a lot friendlier with the Red Sox. It was a lot more open. It was uh, a lot more player centric, but he shouldn't be anywhere near baseball. 
nowhere near it for his own sake as well as ours uh because every fan would be furious to see him on diamond again and every owner would be foolish to put him anywhere near one Mm -hmm. and alex rodriguez when he when he wrapped up his playing career as unceremoniously as he did he was very much so disliked by the nation yankees fans and everyone and but that's that's as a result of his personal life and yeah that affected his on the field stuff because you know he did steroids <laughs> um but it was mostly viewed as Al- alex rodriguez being a dick you know like a lot of guys did steroids but like no one thinks barry bonds is like an asshole people think i know some people think barry bonds is kind of like a like a a little rough around the edges of a guy, but no one, I don't think anyone thinks of Barry Bonds the way they thought of Alex Rodriguez. No one thinks of Mark McGuire the way they thought of Alex Rodriguez. Like doing the steroids didn't make him a dick. Alex Rodriguez was just a dick <laughs> and who also did steroids. I and agree. when he got, the, and when he got, yeah, and when he got the chance to do, to do TV and <laughs> be less of a dick, people went, oh, well, hey, maybe he's not such an asshole and his commentary is not bad. And he's suddenly the best part of the CSPN booth. And hey, I can I can look past how he reacted towards media and people when he was going through that scandal because I I know a lot of contemporary baseball fans don't give a fuck about steroids and or at least the, that era of people. And we're more so mad because A-Rod was just a fucking asshole and on the Yankees, which is a recipe for absolute disaster in the national eyes. Alex Cora's problem is that he seems like a good dude who did awful things. Awful, awful things for baseball. And that's not something I think fans are going to move past like they moved past with Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, at least Alex Rodriguez, when you get past the assholeness, was charming enough and was able to marry a woman like J-Lo to redeem <laughs> his public image. Um, I don't see Alex Cora. Like, Alex Cora, by everything I've seen, is a very, um, I don't want to say introverted, but he's a, he's much more shy than a guy like Alex, excuse me, Alex Rodriguez is. I think that's fair. I don't think he's going to be able to redeem himself in the public spotlight in nearly the same capacity. and. After all this, no matter what the suspension is, I think um, I hope he struggles to find his way back into baseball, um, at least at the major league level. Go cheat in some little league game. Or Perhaps, honestly, we'll be fine with that. This might sound super dismissive, and comments like this are are certainly usually said with not the best intentions, given today's political climate. But spend time in Puerto Rico, like. Seriously, if if he was down in like one of the Puerto Rican leagues, managing baseball down there, helping out young players, like it's his home country. Um, uh, although it's technically a U.S. territory, but you know what I'm saying. Um, it's out of MLB, but it's still in baseball. It's a it's a it's a locale he really genuinely cares a lot of, about, and he can bring he could bring wonderful insights to that community, uh, to that baseball playing community. Plus, he already does a ton of charity work down there. Like if if I'm Alex Cora and I know that like me being in MLB is so far removed from being a possibility, I might as well not think about it. Uh, 
I I would I would be spending more time either with my family doing literally nothing, just being retired, or if I wanted if I really wanted to be doing something baseball, I think I'd go down to Puerto Rico. Yeah, uh, I don't. I'm not from Puerto Rico. I've never been to Puerto Rico. I barely know any Puerto Ricans, but I have to imagine that you know the level their uh, play is down there i i think they'd welcome him with somewhat open arms he's a big enough name he's knows enough about baseball i think he'd be able to add a lot to what they're doing down there and you know maybe they won't accept him the way i'm imagining because of the cheating scandals and whatnot but you never know can you believe that the two longest tenured managers in the AL East are Kevin Cash and Aaron Boone. <laughs> um, at this point, yeah. Uh, if you ask me that going into the season, I'd fucking laugh at you. Aaron Boone is now in the top half of longest tenured MLB managers. Active. He he has managed two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> And he's now the top half of longest tenured managers in MLB right now. That's 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 how the the cookie crumbles. Yeah, and crumble it did. My God. <laughs> uh, anything else to say about this massive topic? Um, not really. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground. Um, yeah, this, this is this is closing in on a two-hour podcast. Yeah, it's a big one. It, 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 and it, 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 we talked about a lot. Um, I guess we can provide any updates to this scenario as as we see fit. Um, Alex Cora's actual punishment, I'm sure we'll talk about. But beyond that, minor details, I'm just going to let Sloth to the side. If there's something that really changes the dynamic of this, we can bring it up again. But... Until then, I think this is this is basically the last big, big update on this. We'll see for a while. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to add there. All right. Well, then, uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. And if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And uh, until Monday, y'all have a good one. <laughs>